Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast, post-week 10, pre-week 11. Lots of good things to discuss. Uh, injury rundown, beast of the week. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about uh, a couple of things, including the early bird preview and line mover segment that we have. And also, really, how Alex Smith will go into detail. He outperformed what I thought he could do, and we'll talk about how and why. But most importantly, we're going to cover something about what we do in terms of judging injuries. It's the video of the injury itself that's important, never the reaction to the injury. That's what I say in the command center to all the guys. Don't look at guys that slam the turf and are upset or that have tears and say their season is done. Don't look at the guy who walks off the field and is stoic and say that he's fine. It's about the video of the injury itself, not about the reaction to the video. In another way, we as fans often say, oh, oh, good job, he's going for it, and then on fourth and one, and they don't get it, and then we say, why did he go for it? No, you should judge the fourth down call based on time, score, you know, situation, etc., and say it's either a good idea or a bad idea. Whether it works or not doesn't now make it a good idea or a bad idea. It's the call itself didn't make sense at the time, not the reaction to the call or what happened as a result of it. Same with injuries. Don't look at what's on the field and the player reaction. And we'll give you an example, and I promise to go over this with you, uh, et cetera. Don't judge by video, especially when it's reaction. Video can lie. So let's go to the Raiders versus Broncos game. Um, we'll go to the video here. And this is Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback, number 27, coming up. And watch him go down. The internet was a buzz that it's head injury, it's serious, he's done for the day, whatever you want to say, because he, of the way that he fell and went down. I don't have a good explanation for it. Let's look at it again. End of the play here. Yeah, he gets a blow to the side of his head. He stands up, he almost gets, and then he goes down. Am I saying he's faking? No, I didn't say that, and I'm not saying that. But I'm saying just because he goes down and it looks horrific, that doesn't mean the injury is. You look at the play itself and it looks fairly innocuous. So although I think it's easy to get fooled by the reaction to the injury, and you see it again here, and he goes down, I don't think it's something that is, um, and he returned to the game. He returned the game and was cleared. And before you say, oh, it's typical Raiders, they're cheating and what have you, independent neuro has to approve the return. And uh, that person did. And so obviously they didn't find a head injury, as everyone's saying. So there are many other ways to, quote, react to the video of the injury itself and not, uh, don't react to uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, how the player reacts. If we go to video again, we'll look at Corey Peters. I think Corey Peters has a patella tendon rupture and his season is done. 
but you barely see the play here. You'll see the nose tackle as he loops around right at the end of the play. You don't see a lot. And you see Patrick Peterson reacting like a lot to the missed interception. But when they after Corey Peters goes down and you see very little reaction from Corey Peters and uh, you don't see a big splint on his leg. You see very little reaction from the doctors. Yes, he's carted off. You don't see people shaking his hand or hugging him, but I think his season is done and he needs surgery. Here's the doctor working on him and he's staying pretty calm. The athletic trainer's doing a good job. And there he is going off, talking like it's nothing and he's got a season ender. So that's my point about always judge the actual injury video itself. And by the way, from multiple angles. You hear me all the time say, I can't tell. Look, it's rule number one for an orthopedic surgeon. You can't get an x-ray of your wrist or whatever and say, here's the x-ray, it looks fine. You need two views at least, an AP and a lateral, and maybe an oblique. Same with video, I want multiple angles. What do we do when we look at a referee call? Is his foot in, is his foot out? Did the ball hit the ground, did the ball not hit the ground? Can you rely on one view? No, one view can absolutely trick you. You need multiple angles. What do referees do? You hear it from uh, Mike Pereira all the time. You stitch the different videos together. The view from the sideline, the view from the end zone, the view from the, the uh, pylon cam whatever it is. That's what we do with orthopedics, with x-rays, with an x-ray, different views, CT scan, MRI. This is what we do with video here. We stitch together, at least I do in my mind, the different angles to put together the three-dimensional picture of what it is and what the injury is. And base it only on injury, not on the reaction. Look, I've seen in my time doing this, guys get carted off the field and return to play in the same, return to play in the same. All seen guys walk off the field, all seen guys walk off the field like it's nothing and then a CL and they're done for CL and they're done for the season. So the lesson for today's podcast opener is judge the injury, judge the reaction, judge the reaction to the injury. A player sometimes is very upset aggravated a hamstring, but it's not a long absence, or that he did absence, or that he didn't make a play, or he's disappointed or worried at the time. It doesn't mean the end of the world. And uh, same token, if they're stoic, it doesn't mean that it's one of the things that I've learned. It's only one of the things that I've learned. It depends on the personalities. And this is why I'm, now the video is not a hundred percent. Now the video is not a hundred percent either, right? The video can lie, and we've talked about examples of that. But relying on the video is the be objective, to be objective, in terms of what we're doing and what we're seeing. All right, let's shift gears to our second. All right, let's shift gears to our second topic here. Alex Smith. Look, I can't have any more respect for Alex Smith than I already do. We know about the 17 surgeries and almost losing a leg. It wasn't the fracture, it was the infection that came that deal for a uh, big deal for uh, Alex Smith here. And uh, what I want to do for you here, I'll warn you right off the bat uh, how fantastic this is for Alex Smith. And I'll warn you not to click or to turn away at the appropriate time because I want to show you a couple of pictures of Alex Smith. 
and what he has overcome. Uh, here is the first one. So look away if you don't want to see it. Okay, Christian, you can click to it. This is four days after his surgery. You can see the incisions here, here, and here. Remember, a piece of sock was dug out of his wound. This is from the Project 11 video from ESPN. This was shown on national TV. This is not me. This is black and necrotic. Infected black and necrotic. This potential infection type thing. All right, this is how bad that it looked. I think the next picture that I'm gonna show you is even worse. And this is will explain why he cannot be normal. So this once again is from Project 11. This is a picture of Alex Smith's leg after the infection was cured and he was debrided. You see the plate? I mean, his foot is here in a wrapping. That's just wrapping so you don't see his toes. His knee's up here. He's lost all this skin. He lost all this muscle. He lost all this muscle and tendon here. He's lost the nerve here. This is literally his bone. This is anatomy. Like, you don't get to see this in cadaver class in medical school. This is what's left of his leg afterwards. I'm not trying to gross anyone out. I got everyone warned here, okay? But let me tell you, this is why I'm saying Alex Smith, what he's done is heroic. Can you, if you had the stomach to look at these pictures. It is crazy what he's going through. So how is he able to do it? This explains why when he had video on when he made uh, his foot was flopping around in the garage, his, le uh, his foot was flopping around. He's got doesn't have the muscle and the tendon and the strength to be able to lift his foot because that all got eaten up by the infection. So how's he even able to run around? Number one, hard work, perseverance, and the whole deal. Number two, we keep talking about an AFO, an ankle foot orthosis. Here is an ankle foot fancy AFO like the one Alex Smith is wearing doesn't look like much but this would be for his foot this strap would be around his calf his calf here and you can see it gives him support so instead of a foot drop which he has because he can't lift his foot that garage video look look what happens when I let go so this metallic brace very light lifts his foot so when he runs he doesn't trip and drag his toes because pushes down with his calf, and as soon as his calf muscle lets go, this brings it back up. This is how spring brings it right back up. This is how, and, and congratulations, Ron Rivera is now saying, congratulations, Ron Rivera is now saying, for long term. Out of the competition for long term. Don't think he will. He gets the com Comeback Player of the Year award. Name it after him. He was 38 for 55. A lot of passes, not too bad. An unbelievable 390 yards. 7.1 yards per attempt. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Two sacks, 15 yards. He even rushed the ball twice for a net four yards. 89.2 quarterback rating. Unbelievably great. Very respectable. Hats off to him. But do you remember? But do you remember those gross pictures I just showed you? 
that is the guy who's playing NFL football. I'm just showing you the reality Alex Smith and his ability. I'm just showing you the reality. There's no way that he's normal on that leg, and yet he's playing and having some success. Look, 17 fourth quarter points. Haters would blame Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions another fourth quarter almost collapse. I get that. But you got to give Alex Smith some credit. I know I panned Alex Smith and said, I don't think he can be effective. And I still don't think long term he can be effective. But I got to give it to him. I mean, he passed for 390 yards and he bona fide played start to finish in a game. A foot drop in all, very unusual. And um, look, uh, hats off to Alex Smith. But no, I don't see him as the long-term solution for any football team, much less the Washington football team. As much as I love Alex Smith, and you guys know I love Ron Rivera as well. But uh, transitioning to some of the uh, right and wrongs, Alex Smith, congratulations. You made me look bad because I thought the Lions would easily cover the minus three or two and a half. Instead, it was minus three, so it was a push. But we still were able, with the outkick picks, to go 31, sorry, three, one, and one. And I think we're now 36, 16, and three on the season with the five picks at the uh, outkick uh, article here. So uh, we are, um, let's see, if we go to it here, let me get that accurately here uh, into the week we were going into the week 28 15 and 2 so yeah correct 31 16 and 1 now and as you see some of the picks here uh, Big Ben uh, is indeed fine the Steelers indeed were uh, fine and, and covered I was wrong on uh, on the or pushed on the Alex Smith pick. I was wrong on the Eagles pick, but the other three came through: the uh, Arizona over, the uh, uh, the Saints against the injured 49ers, and uh, of course uh, the Steelers as well. For this week's uh, final segment here in the early part one of the podcast, we're going to talk about the early birds. Pay attention to that. Uh, the news is now out that Drew Brees came into the game with some fractured ribs, left the game with fractured ribs on the other side and some sort of collapsed lung. That's why he didn't play in the second half. Now, we didn't know all of this yesterday, but we, looking at the injury and what have you, the cumulative nature of the ribs or whatever was going on there, his shoulder and his arm strength, said he wasn't going to play this coming week. Now that the news is out, I'm sure the line has moved or they pull, Vegas has pulled it off. But you can get that information at profootballdoc.com on Sunday. We also said Teddy Bridgewater was unlikely to play, and that news is starting to leak out. Christian McCaffrey, unlikely to play. That news is starting to leak out. And Matt Stafford is likely to be fine, and that news has come out. So uh, that Detroit-Carolina game, that, there's going to be some line movement there. And uh, go to profootballdoc.com Sunday night, and you can, as the early lines come up, you can get yourself potentially a middle position. This last week, I said because of Baker Mayfield coming off of COVID and Nick Chubb returning to play, the Browns line opened at minus two and a half against the Texans, and it closed at Texans plus four. So those who took Texans, Browns two and a half, Texans plus four, thanks to Nick Chubb, 
the game ended right on three because he didn't score that last touchdown and there was a middle to be had there. Uh, Matt, uh, the, uh, the other big one, two other big quarterback plays this week is Gardner Minshew, I believe, will start again. He's been ready to play and that might affect that 10.5 point Jaguars line. So Andy Dalton for the Cowboys, the line was 9.5 against the Vikings. And I think that's going to dip when Dalton clears COVID and the concussion protocol. I believe Andy Dalton is the Cowboys starting quarterback this week. And so there are some early bird hints for you and some uh, line movements. Finally here, we'll go to some right and wrongs. We'll skip through the rights quickly. We know about the 49ers. We know about the uh, uh, Pittsburgh win, C CMC out. We'll skip through all the the uh, good ones. One hidden one that we said, the Raiders really dominated on the run game. And if you look at the Denver front seven, including all three D-line starters were out, uh, you could have seen and predicted that. Uh, I was a little surprised that Bosa was uh, out this week from his concussion. I was clearly wrong that the, well, I was right that the Eagles got healthier with Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, and Lane Johnson but I was wrong to think that they could handle the Giants. Uh, we've talked about Alex Smith doing much better than I expected. And I wasn't sure that Ingram would be ready, Mark Ingram, but he was, but the Ravens still lost to the Patriots. So there's a quick look at some of the right and wrongs and so forth. But anyways, remember the lesson from today. Alex Smith, should it should be the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year Award and uh, judge the injury itself not the reaction to the injury. And I apologize to anyone with a weak stomach that I didn't warn enough. I did that not for effect. I did that to really show you the basis of my opinions related to Alex Smith. And remember, they weren't my pictures. That was on ESPN Project 11. All I did was screenshot that. Uh, as always, this podcast every week at uh, OutKick or the usual places, Apple or wherever you subscribe. And obviously coming up part two, which is the injury rundown and another really good beast of the week feature. Uh, thank you there. Uh, body weight foul. It may or may not have been complete body weight foul, but you'll see streak come up and land on the right torso slash chest. You'll see it on a next view with his body weight better here. As he's hit landed on his chest left side, almost looks like the ball did the damage against his ribs. So he had a rib slash chest issue. You can see him touching, feeling that area. He's obviously hurt there, but he stays in the game. He does not come out of the game. Uh, the personal foul is assessed. The next play, uh, he's actually splits out. Here's a final replay of it. Street comes up. It's him and lands to the side, kind of on the ball on his right side of his chest. So a rib slash chest injury. And Drew Brees is now saying cumulative injury. And what he means by cumulative is right shoulder, he's already had, the chest issue, and quite honestly, just the fact that he's not 25 anymore, right? He doesn't have the strongest arm. And, and the reality is all of that plays into effect. So the next play here you see, he's still in the game at the bottom here of the screen and uh, Taysom Hill. And whether this was uh, 
Reeler, so Taysom Hill play. Two plays with Taysom Hill, a second one with Taysom Hill here. And then the third play back to Drew Brees. And you missed it right here. He throws the touchdown pass. So he's not out of the game. He finishes this, the half, with another touchdown drive. Stays in the game. So this is why I said at halftime when he exited, I thought he could continue to play. But between coaching decision and Drew being good about, hey, it's tightening up, he didn't play. So here's my take on the cumulative injuries. The shoulder's already an issue. The chest slash ribs, x-rays are negative, maybe a rib cartilage issue, but obviously the muscle is sore. Tightened up, so it's harder to, to rotate and turn. And you need that. Why? Because, you know, look, we all love Drew, but he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Whereas Drew Locke has a pretty strong arm. He can throw just with his arm. He doesn't need to step in and torso where Drew does, right? Drew Brees does. So I think that's where he's actually being a veteran and a good leader and, and discussing with Sean Payton. Obviously a very dejected look on the sidelines, the competitor that he is. But it was the right thing. He could have played, but probably not that effectively given his shoulder issue, the baseline arm strength, and then the torso rib issue. And we said last night at ProFootballDoc.com, I don't think that he will play this next week, and maybe even a couple weeks. Uh, and uh, I think that, and if you look back here pregame when he's warming up, look at how he's work, working on his torso. This is exactly what I'm talking about. And whether it's this is more indicative of his shoulder issue, but he's working on his torso. That's what you can't do with ribs. And that's what you need to do, he needs to do to throw the ball. And you can see he's got some padding protection rib wrap there. So was there a little bit of a pre-existing issue that combined with his shoulder? Don't know. But in any case, uh, that's my point. And indeed, some reports have now come out that Breeze likely will miss some time going forward. And that's part of our early line movers we talk about. Get on. I saw the Falcons plus seven and a half. I'll bet that's going to go below seven. Uh, when this news is out there. Anyways, next up, quarterback-wise, Matthew Stafford. A uh, lot of injury issues in this next game, too. Matt Stafford with the thumb, uh, ulnar collateral ligament injury, like Drew Brees, but not torn. Drew, Drew Brees needed surgery last year, couldn't pick up a ball. Matthew Stafford got it taped and still slung the ball pretty well. As expected, x-rays negative, minor issue for Matthew Stafford. That's what media reports look like. That's what we reported last night. So based on Matthew Stafford being fine, playing the Carolina Panthers, in my opinion yesterday and last night, that Teddy Bridgewater is fine but likely to miss time, and that his running back Christian McCaffrey will miss at least the second week, this news is kind of coming out. I'll bet the line moves there. That was another one of our line movers. So uh, Teddy Bridgewater with the knee, MCL, x-rays negative, MRI essentially negative for surgery. It's been reported as an MCL just as we posted, mild MCL. Now similar to Big Ben who played through and played well. So why do I think Teddy Bridgewater is not going to play? First of all, this is his non-knee dislocation knee. It's the other knee. It's the right knee. So that's not an issue. But if you look at the Panthers and their, the difference between Teddy 
and Big Ben. Big Ben knows the system. He's been there forever. He cannot practice and be fine. Teddy Bridgewater, first year in the system, probably needs to and wants to practice. And he's obviously a more mobile guy than Big Ben, late in his career here for Big Ben. And he needs his mobility to protect himself. And uh, he's just a different player, different type of player. And also the Panthers, look at what they've done with Christian McCaffrey. I said he could play with the shoulder, but they're choosing not to. And I said because they're choosing not to, he's likely to be out a couple of weeks because they're waiting for the shoulder to be 100%. That's starting to come true. Now, bear in mind, the Panthers have a bye in week uh, 13. And so Christian McCaffrey might not play this week, next week, and then come back week 14. Teddy might be in for a little bit of missed time too because if they're treating their franchise running back this way, they're probably going to treat their quarterback this way which is why the line's going to move up Matthew Stafford, down Teddy Bridgewater, down Christian McCaffrey. So we'll see what happens there. And we jumped ahead a little bit on that, but I thought it was uh, pertinent. Uh, another, and quarterbacks obviously move lines, Jacksonville. Uh, Jake Luton, eh, not as good this week as last week. Uh, and Gardner Minshew, I've said, told you all along, I think he could have played these last two weeks. At this point, I think Gardner Minshew will play again. Will that move the line? It's up to you guys. But I think it might. So I think they they opened at 10.5 yesterday. We'll see where, uh, Jack getting 10.5 yesterday, we'll see where they go to. But I think that line goes below 10 with Gardner Minshew as the starter. And I believe he'll be named starter again this week. Another line mover quarterback is the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys uh, uh, line is likely to potentially move a little bit because I think Andy uh, Dalton will get cleared from COVID and obviously he had the concussion issue as well and so um, just some of these lines just tend to move with uh, with what's going on and uh, Dallas is playing Minnesota uh, the, and uh, what I saw was they opened at nine and a half point underdogs Minnesota hasn't even played this week but I'll bet you that line comes down a lot closer to seven before game time based on news that Andy Dalton. So take advantage of what you can there. Sam Darnold also will will play, I believe, now this week coming back from his uh, AC joint coming off the bye. I think it's Sam Darnold time again, although Joe Flacco did better. Moving on to running backs, Christian McCaffrey with the shoulder we covered already, AC joint. Uh, I believe he will be out this week coming at least. Maybe next week he might be out, like I said, through the bye, week 13. Austin Eckler, hamstring. Look, we all saw good video of Austin Eckler running. And for those who didn't, I'll go to it right here. Here's video of Eckler himself running. And uh, yeah, he's moving pretty well, but there's a little hitch on that left side. He's moving pretty well. It is sped up video though, so don't get completely fooled by it. And look, it's great to see that he's running straight ahead, but that's not NFL football, right? Start, stop, and cutting. And Eckler tweeted out on November 12th, to all my fantasy owners that didn't drop me, dot, 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 the time draws near. And tongue in cheek, I quote tweeted, good to hear December is not that far away. And I still think it's December for Austin Eckler. Look, uh, uh, Nick Chubb beat him back, like I said. They both were injured week four. 
It's been six weeks now. Originally, Austin Eckler was four to six weeks. Always took the over on that. I think December 6th might be the game that Austin Eckler comes back. The poor 49ers, Jamichael Hasty. He's now the fourth running back on injured reserve. Thank God the 49ers have a bye this week. They could use it. They could have used three byes this year. So at running back, Raheem Mostert out with the uh, knee, then uh, high ankle, then knee. Sorry, knee, now high ankle. Raheem Mostert, IR. Tevin Coleman, still with the knee, had been on IR with the knee, re-aggravated re it. Jeff Wilson Jr. with the calf a couple weeks ago, injured reserve. Now Jamichael Hasty with a broken collarbone, broken clavicle. Season not done, but we'll go on IR. He won't be back after the bye, but uh, Mostert has a reasonable chance to come back with his knee issue after the bye. Tevin Coleman even maybe too. Jeff Wilson Jr. a little iffier. So 49ers are going to get some help, but it's not Jamichael Hasty. And by the way, Jarek McKinnon got a stinger in his neck, so <laughs> it's pretty much all the 49er running backs. Mike Davis injured his thumb, got it taped, stay in the game, no big deal. It still will be him since there's no Christian McCaffrey. One to watch here is David Johnson got put on injured reserve for his concussion. Look, it's not unheard of to go on injured reserve with a concussion, but I think it is relatively rare to go on injured reserve the very first week. You haven't even missed any time yet, and the team is now saying you're going to miss three weeks. That's worrisome. I hope it's not because there's some additional symptoms, and uh, because if there are, he may be shut down for the season, David Johnson, for the Texans. So that's something to watch. Uh, Tyler Irvin with the ribs. Uh, Joe Mixon continues to be a mystery. Clearly a mystery to the Bengals, too, because he's been out three weeks and they didn't put him on injured reserve. I didn't think he'd miss any time, but obviously the Bengals and I are in the same boat. I, I sort of missed out on the real story there. Matt Breida with the hamstring did not play. And notable is uh, Jordan Howard was a healthy scratch. When Miles Gaskin, number one, is out, Matt Breida's out, and Jordan Howard, you're a healthy scratch. That's eyebrow raising. Chris Carson with the foot out again as expected. I think finally this next week, is a realistic chance. Carlos Hyde might also come back as well. See, I think it's a little unfair to Chris Carson here. There are some fans that are like, dude, you're injury prone. Dude, you're a game times decision three, day, three weeks in a row. Why can't you just tough it out and play? I think that's unfair, some of these reports. I don't think week one was anywhere close to realistic, and I said that, he missed. I think his second week out, I said, nah, that's iffy at best, and he missed. This last week, I said he got closer. This might have been the true first pseudo-game time decision. So instead, everyone else has the opinion that he's dogging it for three weeks. I don't think that's true. So Chris Carson Foote finally, hopefully, has a chance to come back. Carlos Hyde maybe for his hamstring, too. We talked about Mostert. Sony Michelle with the quad. Obviously, Damian Harris is doing pretty well. Let's move on to wide receivers. Calvin Ridley. Uh, after the... Uh, by week here, I think uh, Calvin Ridley will be back with his mild foot injury. John Brown had knee issues all week, played, and then left with a mild high ankle sprain. And with the Bills by coming up here, hopefully he can come back after the bye without missing any time. Let's move on to Devontae Adams here. And a lot of concern with Devontae Adams 
and uh, we'll pull up the Devante Adams video here and hopefully talk about some good news. Look at the bottom of the screen. Whoops, we are one play past it. Here we go. Okay. And Christian says, as we find this, that Darnold is confirmed out again this week, which uh, surprises me a little bit. Obviously, the Jets really want him at 100% before he goes. Um, I thought he, that after the bye, he'd be okay here. But it's Joe Flacco again, which is interesting news. All right, here's the, the Devontae Adams play, I believe, coming up here next. Okay. Here we go. Bottom of the screen, Devontae Adams. And you see his foot's not planted. It's at the end of the incompletion. The graphics hide it. His left ankle. And his main concern when he gets up is, why didn't I get the tripping pass interference call? Not his foot, which kind of is a good sign. But you'll see that uh, he uh, returns to the game. But based on that limited video there, there really wasn't a lot there. Here's the play again. Oh, this is the touchdown to Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, based on the analysis. But the bottom line is the video here didn't show a lot. And to me, it's as impactful if the video shows a bad injury or the video doesn't show a lot. This is why I have optimism that Devontae Adams will be okay this coming week for the Packers. Darius Slayton injured his shoulder but returned to the game. Traycon Smith, um, concussion. Danny Amendola, hip. He joins Kenny Galladay with the hip. It really depends on what kind of hip injury. Muscle injuries they can return from, and that's what I hope it is. Cheneau, LaVisca Cheneau missed with a hamstring. Dontrell Inman with the hamstring. Uh, Alan Lazard with the core muscle injury, I think, will play this coming week. The Packers need him. Debo Samuel with another hamstring, but I think he'll come back and play. Uh, he's been out with the hamstring for the 49ers. The 49ers have the bye, and I think he'll come back after the bye. Julian Edelman is rumored to be closer. How close is yet to be determined. Adam Humphreys missed with the concussions. Sammy Watkins, another hamstring. He's coming off the bye this week, and I actually expect Sammy Watkins to play this week. Tight ends, Nick Boyle, and we'll come back to Nick Boyle later with some video, but... Uh, uh, season-ending knee injury, and we'll talk about that. Uh, apparently, uh, Breeze News is uh, more than just uh, torso. They're reporting now, per Adam Schefter, multiple rib fractures on both sides, which is interesting, uh, and a collapsed right lung, probably a small air leak collapse. Um, I didn't see any report of going to the hospital. If it were a significant collapse, a la Tyrod Taylor, he would have gone to the hospital. Um, in any case, look, this is stuff that's being fed to reporters, and I don't doubt them. Um, we'll figure out. The bottom line is he's got chest-slash-rib issues and is indeed going to miss a couple weeks. So hopefully you guys saw this either last night or this morning from my tweets or or profootballdoc.com and got on uh, the Falcons at seven and a half because I'm sure that line's going to be either off and when it comes back be quite different. Um, and thank you uh, for the updates in podcast, Christian.
uh, Gerald Everett mild ankle eversion type sp strain, uh, uh, sorry, sprain. Tyler Croft with COVID, depends on his symptoms. Zach Ertz, probably still a couple weeks away. Jack Doyle, hopefully can come off the concussion protocol. Andrew Whitworth with a significant multi-ligament knee injury, but I don't think he'll need surgery. I think his regular season is probably done. Maybe he can come back for playoffs for the Rams. MCL, significant sprain slash tear as we discussed, and then the PCL. A couple of concussions, Kevin Zeitler, Ali Marpet, hopefully Ali Marpet will make it back. Left tackle, uh, Russell Okung with the calf still out. Uh, Kelamente with the concussion. Vitae out with the foot. Uh, Colton Miller with the ankle. Long list of uh, uh, injuries for the offensive line now. Ethan Pollock, uh, Posick for the concussion. Makai Becton with the chest. Bigger issue is Mitchell Schwartz with the back. Hopefully after the bye, he, he can come back for the uh, Chiefs. I think part of the Chiefs' struggles, and look, it's hard to say you're struggling when you're winning, but part of the Chiefs' struggles have to do with their offensive line, and Mitchell Schwartz is a key component there. Defensive injuries, um, Corey Peters, we'll go over some video here. Corey Peters here. He's the nose tackle. And bear in mind, the uh, Cardinals are already down five, four of their eight linemen. And it's the tail end of the play, and you don't really see a lot. But you'll be able to see it here. Um, in a second here, after they look at Patrick Peterson slapping the ground. Hopefully they'll show the Corey. Peter's play here. He's checking his knee. His season is unfortunately over, which means five, they didn't show a good replay there, but in any case, five of their eight down defensive linemen are now injured. So not good for the uh, Cardinals there. Other defensive injuries, hip pointer for Kyle Van Oy, probably will miss practice and play through. Taylor Rapp with an MCL. Hopefully Josh Norman, Leah Vive Wallace can get off of concussion, uh, sorry, COVID protocol. Mackenzie Alexander, concussion still. Um, Kevin King with the quad. Jair Alexander, Packers with the concussion. Joey Bosa missed again with the concussion. So uh, lots of issues here uh, going uh, forward. Um, let's move on to our beast of the week here. Uh, the list of injuries are quite long there. Go to profootballdoc.com and there's a more comprehensive list of injuries and when they return. And, and if you ask a question and you've checked profootballdoc.com, I'm more than happy to answer it on Twitter or otherwise. We're actually developing a Q&A section on the website so it's cataloged. So instead of scrolling through Twitter and looking for answers, you just search and you get the answers. We'll have one place where people can ask questions and make it very efficient. So let's move on to our beast of the week here. And our beast of the week, we're gonna give it to somebody who best wishes on his recovery, Nick Boyle. If you're squeamish, don't look, but let's look at the video here on Nick Boyle. He's the tight end here. We'll just let it run through in real time. And you can see his left knee is injured. And you can see the opponents quickly wave on the medical staff. Never a good look when that happens. So they don't show the replay a lot here, but we'll slow it down, Nick Boyle. And uh, he catches the ball, spins, 
and watch as his left knee is injured right there. Hyperextended knee, uh, multi-ligament, almost knee dislocation type injury. And one final time to show how tough he is. Look, he hangs on to the ball. Right, I mean, the knee doesn't bend that way. And he hangs on the ball, but then has presence of mind to re-grasp and recover his own fumble as a result of the injury. I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty darn tough as far as I'm concerned. That makes him, and he's still got the ball in his hand this whole time, that makes him the beast of the week. And look at how calm he is as he ultimately is carted off here. Uh, in any case, well, so they cut to commercial and obviously it's his left knee. Uh, and by the way, this injury is likely to impact at least the start of 2021. Uh, he's not back this season. He's likely to need surgery. It's a multi-ligament injury. and. Uh, that is uh, fortunately too bad for, for uh, Nick Boyle. But he's our beast of the week just for how he reacted to the injury with calm like it was nothing and he basically dislocated his knee and he was still concerned about retaining the football. All right, guys, uh, thanks for watching Pro Football Doc Podcast uh, and we'll see you again uh, next week and obviously all week long on the Periscope.